Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gray Matter, the podcast from Greylock, where we share stories from company builders and business leaders. I'm Heather Mack, head of editorial at Greylock. Today, my guests are two members of the Greylock investing team, Reed Hoffman, who's been with us since 2009, and Mustafa Suleiman, who joined at the beginning of last year. Mustafa and Reed are also the co-founders of the consumer AI company Inflection. The company started last year and has been incubated at Greylock. So both of you, thanks so much for being here. Always awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Now, Inflection has been quietly working on a product that we'll get to hear a lot about today, but I want to first start with some context setting. So obviously right now is an action-packed time in AI, to say the least. Both early-stage startups and the biggest tech companies on Earth are working on many different tools and mainly designed for enterprise settings. Then we have things like ChatGPT, GPT-4, and DALI, which have been instrumental in capturing the public's attention and really driving it home just how advanced AI has become. Both of you have been deeply involved in AI for some time. Mustafa, you're widely recognized as a pioneer in the sector. In 2010, you co-founded DeepMind, which was acquired by Google in 2014. You then served as head of applied AI at DeepMind until 2019, when you joined Google as VP of AI products and AI policy until you joined Greylock in January 2022. Reed, you majored in symbolic systems at Stanford, and you've been investing in the sector at least a decade when you first funded OpenAI. You're currently on the board of several AI-focused companies, including Inflection and Tome, and you're on the board of OpenAI for several years. And of course, let's not forget the mini Gray Matter podcasts where you interviewed the AI chatbot ChatGPT and your recent book, Impromptu, which you co-wrote with GPT-4. Now, with that as the backdrop, give me a quick characterization of this moment. Mustafa, let's start with you. How would you describe this moment in AI? (laughs) Surreal. I would say it's most definitely the most exciting time in my living memory in technology. I mean, it is completely stunning. The pace of progress is surprising. Even those of us who have been at the cutting edge of developing systems like these for many, many years. And it just feels like one of the most productive times in technology. It feels like there is a a kind of a Cambrian explosion of different combinations of uh, software and algorithms Everybody is experimenting. Everybody is trying new things. And I think it's going to be one of the most productive moments uh, for for many, many years. It's very exciting. Reid? Well, I think that exactly as Mustafa said, and I think the world has begun to see this, which is we are at the crescendo of, you know, the Internet was huge, mobile is huge, cloud computing is huge, and artificial intelligence, which in impromptu I refer to as amplification intelligence, as as it's kind of a partner with us in various ways, is going to crescendo all of those things. And they actually had a language about the moment, which is an impromptu trying to argue for people to understand this is our aha moment, our amplification of human ability. And actually, in fact, to seize on that. And one of the things that I think so often so many people, even very smart people, even the creators of technology, always start with their fears and uncertainties first versus the possibilities and the hopes about what they can get to. And the way we get to those really great futures, the way that we, you know, when the transformation of the steam engine, the transformation of the printing press, the transformation of electricity, all of these things is, ah, that's the future we want to steer towards, row towards, and that's the thing that we need to be doing. And I think that's the moment that we're in. And I think that literally every professional activity within a small number of years, matter of fact, I think Sam Motomedi and I wrote a piece on this last year, will be amplified 
by artificial intelligence. And that's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, you announced a little over a year ago that you'd co-founded Inflection. At the time, you described it simply as an AI-first consumer products company. There hasn't been much else said since, except that Inflection is attempting to flip roles for humans and computers. Instead of us trying to understand how to talk to them, it's the other way around. Now, bring me up to speed on where you are on delivering on that goal. What has Inflection built? One way of thinking about it is that for as long as we have been creating software, we have put the onus on us as humans to try to understand the language of machines. And we've had to learn their programming languages, their interfaces, and that's been a huge constraint. And that is all about to change because for the first time in history, computers are actually able to communicate with us in the same natural plain English language that we're using to communicate with one another now. And we think that that's going to completely transform what it means to have a digital experience Everything that you currently do with computers is going to increasingly feel like a conversation, a back and forth, a dialogic, right? Your AI is going to ask you questions, is going to clarify, is going to try and sharpen your understanding. And through iterative back and forth, you'll be able to convey your real intent. Uh, In fact, you'll be able to share how it is you're feeling, not just what it is you're thinking or what you need to find but actually your emotional state. And that will create a very, very different experience to the kind of thing that software and technology has ever been able to do before. And I think part of looking at this in terms of what we're doing with inflection is to say, how do you help people navigate their entire lives? Like the think of our life as a journey. Some of that journey is how we work. Some of that journey is how we connect with our friends and our family. Some of that journey is what we choose to do for fun on some particular evening. And now that you have these linguistically sophisticated, capable tools for interfacing with us, and, you know, obviously English is what we're speaking now, but, you know, as as everyone knows, it can do any language. That's part of the thing that they're amazing. They can be great personal assistance, personal artificial intelligences. And, you know, part of this amazing team that uh, Mustafa has assembled, you know, with expertise from many different major AI efforts, because he's been doing this for quite some time, you know, part of the thing is they, they've realized, like, how is it you make these pie, the inflection agent, not just a, uh, an answer of questions, but a participant in the dialogue helping you along your life's path, helping you connect with other human beings, helping you decide on what you might want to do, asking you questions that help you think about what you want your life to be doing or how you want to be working. And uh, this team, which has been working very intensely to bring about this kind of different training regime for personal intelligence, PI, has been doing just a spectacular job. Walk me through the experience with Pi. You open it up on your phone. How do you get up to speed? How do you get started? Yeah, so Pi is really your personal AI. It's with you wherever you are. Sometimes you'll want to talk to it on WhatsApp. Sometimes it'll be available on Instagram. Sometimes you'll talk to it via desktop. There's also, of course, an iOS app. 
So right from the outset, we've tried to establish the dynamic that this is a multi-platform experience. Wherever you need Pi to be, it should be there for you. This isn't something that you download or an app that you keep on your phone. It's really a lasting and, you know, in the future, I think, ever-present relationship that you have with an AI that helps you to make sense of the world around you. Sometimes it will be there to listen, provide support, be there for you when you need to vent. At other times, it'll help you find useful information. It's obviously super knowledgeable. It'll present information in a really succinct, conversational, and kind of informal way. At other times, it'll be funny and silly and creative and help you unblock those stuck moments where you're trying to figure out a new idea or make a plan. On other occasions, you can imagine it being there for you when you're about to make a tough decision. You might be thinking about relocating to a different city or changing jobs, or perhaps you're preparing to have a tough conversation with your boss. Your AI is going to be there as your sidekick, um, helping you as a sounding board, helping you to prepare for important moments in your life. And in many ways, this is the essence of what sort of marks this new era. It's not just a sort of new platform or a new technology, but it's an entirely new paradigm, much like, um, you know, the smartphone or the internet was a, a new paradigm. In the future, I think everybody is going to have a personal AI and it will make us much smarter, much more productive, and I hope ultimately much more compassionate and much more kind. So slightly more advanced than those magic eight balls, and but, but also different than... But, but shaking that eight ball, yeah. AI is going to be very important for the future. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, I'm sure that would be the answer. But also different than what we're hearing from GPT-4. And you've answered a little bit, but like there are a lot of tools using large language models. What is the primary differentiator? Like when you're saying this is something that's going to be more emotionally attuned and kinder, like how do you build that? I think that over the next few years, there are going to be lots of different types of AIs. And we're very much focused on a personal AI, one that is principally about helping you to be more kind, more respectful, and more compassionate to yourself as a way, I think, of connecting you to the outside world, being kinder and more compassionate to friends and family and colleagues. You can kind of see it as a thought partner, uh, a place to reflect and make sense of the world around you. And I think that's a it's a different tone and a different style. And people might turn to different AIs for different purposes. And our take is that most of the focus in AI so far has been around EQ and information, accessing information. But in fact, I think most people are looking for a conversation. They're looking, you know, to form useful relationships and reflect on, you know, tricky moments in their life. And and that's where we're stepping in. And, you know, among other things, you know, part of what we had to do some special development for is things like it'll remember the previous conversations it's had with you. It's an ongoing dialogue. It's not just like, oh, um, you've asked about this and here's your instant Wikipedia answer, um, which is some of the amazing things that are happening with AI now. But it's also like, okay, I'm 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 talking with you and and ah this has been an ongoing context and conversation and and it's kind of developing that so it feels like your personal AI. Mhm. I have a lot of thoughts here. But I'm really curious like why do you think people want this? I think over the last 20 years software has been 
principally useful to us, right? It has helped us in moments when we're looking to get something quite practical done. It's been a utilitarian function. You might want to find a particular piece of information. You might want to book a ride in a car. You might want to buy the groceries. And UI has been about efficiency um, and getting you exactly the answer that you want really, really quickly. In this new age of technology, we can actually create much richer experiences that address the kind of full range of emotional needs and desires and wants that we actually have in the world, providing just a little bit of affirmation, a bit of confidence boosting, providing a place to get feedback and have somebody or an AI pay attention to you and ask you questions. I think is like a great service. Many of us in the world don't always have easy access to that kind of support. And actually, I think that tends to be a huge differentiator when it comes to our health and well-being and our success in our lives. Just having access to social support in your life um, makes you feel more confident and more resilient, more able to go about being successful at work or in the home. And I think that could be a really significant contribution that if we're successful, we might be able to make over the next few years. I mean, I think the quality of your life is the people that you go through life with. It's your friends. You know, when you are fortunate enough to have healthy interactions with your family, your family, it's your colleagues, you know, part of why you enjoy particular work and particular uh, groups and companies and why you stay there or move to another one, all, all of that. And so you are, to some degree, the, the combination of these various, quote-unquote, social interactions. Part of what Pi is designed to do is to help you make those richer and more present. It's another tool that's there to amplify you, there to say, oh, I need to have this kind of tricky conversation with my friend Sarah or Bob, and, and how do I do that? Well, you have a tool that you can talk to with it one that will remember the conversations you've had. And we're all much better off when we can have that. I mean, if we could all have more people to talk to about all of these various things, and they can be trained to be kind of helping us find to become our better selves and, and navigate these things, that's great. Yeah, so it's not supposed to replace your personal relationships, but it's like a dry run for a well, lot and of also, things. Because like, certain... it's not to like, talk to me, not to yeah. people. It's like, no, no, let me help you in how you can have really rewarding interactions with other people. And of course, you can have a rewarding action with me too, but it's not a replacement, it's a help. So you've been deeply thoughtful about agents' personal assistance and how it can impact someone's personal life. What does the existence of Pi mean for other businesses and developers for thinking about the broader enterprise AI ecosystem? Well, the way that we think about our organization is that we're an AI studio. Um, Pi is the first AI that we create. But over the next few years, I can imagine us developing a number of different AIs that have different personalities, different types of expertise, and certainly different capabilities. Some of those you could imagine being enterprise or commercial AIs. It may be that we partner very deeply with certain organizations and help them build out an AI that really reflects their brand, 
that can you know talk about their products or it can you know help them with their um, you know consumer challenges. And so, as part of our launch, we will also be releasing our API that will give other businesses the chance to kind of play with our foundation models. One of the things that is, I think, uh, quite unique about our approach is that we develop our own uh, foundation models. And uh, over the last year or so, we've actually been you know, able to build some of the best uh, large language models in the world. And um, we're very excited to share those with other developers and other enterprises that might be able to use the conversational style of them that we've been developing. Again, to kind of speak to what the team that Mustafa has assembled is it by having had been at the very earliest days of this as co-founder of DeepMind, he has met great people and worked with great people at DeepMind and at Brain and and across in other organizations. And so assembling a group of the folks who were amongst the leading scale developers, scale researchers, inventors to bring kind of the design thinking and culture and what would be the next generation and assembling that team to do it. And that's part of the reason why the models that Inflection are building are an additional contribution to the models that will also, you know, that are great models out there, like the OpenAI models are great models, are also available through uh, APIs. And so this creates a richer landscape for developers and for people who want to build not just agents, but any kind of artificial intelligence capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of an incredible time because, you know, the really large models are going to be very successful. There's no doubt about that. But there are also models that are getting much, much smaller and much more efficient, you know, every year. Now we can actually produce the same capabilities that used to take, you know, GPT-3, 175 billion parameters, you know, at 15 or 20 times smaller, um, fewer parameters. And those kinds of models are going to be increasingly open source. Lots of smaller developers will be able to take advantage of them. And that's part of what's driving this kind of Cambrian explosion of, you know, innovation and creativity and development, which is the, is to say that, like, everyone everywhere is going to start playing with um, these large language models, integrating them in their into their own use cases. And I think there's just going to be this amazing explosion of, of creativity. Reed, you've shared a lot of insights over the years based on your time founding and scaling LinkedIn. One of the main takeaways, especially as you outlined in a discussion you had on the importance of friendship on both your personal and professional life, was identifying that it had to happen in that exact moment in time in order to really work. And why is the, now the right time for Pi to come out into the wild? Well, maybe not into the wild, into civilization. <laughs> it's true. Um, Fair enough. But, you know, I think, you know, part of it is obviously we're at this huge inflection point, <laughs> hence the name, you know, which, which Mustafa and team came up with in inflection, where AI is that amplification from the internet, from mobile, from cloud, that is that amplification of our, giving us superpowers, like, you know, Part of it is we also want to be, we want that amplification to play across the scope of our lives. Like part of having a personal AI is to say, hey, you know, how do, how do I navigate many elements of my life? And actually having an AI that doesn't just answer questions, but ask you questions. Because by the way, part of how at least I discover myself in various ways is when my friends ask me questions. I go, ooh, I hadn't thought about that question yet. And that's a way that I grow and I evolve. 
And the reason why it's now is because this is this is, you know, as I as I put on I think one of our fireside chatbot conversations that this is going to be the year that, in some way, some of the person of the year, even though it's tools, but the person of the year thing will be AI because uh, we will be giving all of these kind of magical moments and these superpowers to people. And some of the superpowers should be is how do we navigate our life in its broad context, of course, including work, but not just only work. So people have been working on AI, people like Mustafa, for decades, uh, even before that, of course. But in terms of feeling it on a tangible level, it kind of feels like it just got here and it's moving faster than we can keep up with you know, that famous phrase, gradually, then suddenly. So that's prompting a lot of understandable concern. How is inflection addressing the numerous safety, privacy concerns? And, you know, what are the guardrails you're building into the product? Yeah, that's a great question and something that is very, very important to us at inflection. In fact, um, safety is is probably the most important part of the way that we build out Pi. The way that we do that is that we show both good and bad examples of the kinds of behaviors that we want Pi to imitate. Sometimes it's a human doing that imitation. Sometimes it's other versions of the AI doing the imitation. And then Pi is able to observe side-by-side comparisons of um, two or three or four different examples of a good response to a particular question. And once it does this tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times, in some cases millions of times, it learns to build a model of the kind of behavior policy that we really want it to adhere to. That's one of the key things that we do. The other thing is that we're, we pay very close attention to um, the ways that users interact with Pi. It's super important that people can trust Pi over time. And we think that trust is really a function of setting clear boundaries. So Pi is very careful in proactively trying to lay out types of interactions that it's happy with and other types of interactions that are off limits. So for example, some people have created AIs to foster romantic relationships. That's um, going to be off limits for Pi. Um, and it's not something that we're going to be pursuing. And so whenever Pi sees that it looks like a conversation might be headed in that direction, it's pretty firm about pushing back on that. Not in friend a friend zoning you right away. Yeah, you get friend zoned pretty quickly. It's pretty it's and it's very polite and kind and respectful in the way that it friend zones you. But it's also pretty firm. And that kind of boundary setting and clear expectations is a very um fundamental part of our safety program. And part of safety isn't just the avoidance of the negative, uh, something that might lead to self-harm or other harm, but it's also the amplification of the positive. And so, you know, the idea is to say, how do you, like, asking you questions that help you discover things that you like about yourself, things that you uh, may want to bring out more presently with other folks that you're talking to, with your friends and the people in your life or your colleagues. And so safety is not just a, oh, let's just avoid the negative. It's also the, you know, kind of where does the the river of the conversation of the shared experience with Pi go? It's trying to be in a place that that leads you to a much kind of healthier, fulfilled, meaningful, happier place. In that same vein, Reid, I want to double click on this. You were involved in building social media platforms. So there was a lot of optimism for the power and potential of these platforms. And many of the founders and investors in these companies sort of underappreciated uh, the potential downsides that could emerge. And now we're kind of stuck with those issues and it's hard to change. And 
how is AI different? And uh, maybe talk about like the lessons you've learned from social platforms that could help us not make the same mistakes with AI. Well, Mustafa has mentioned a few of these themes already, but broadly it's make sure you're asking some of the right questions and creating the alignments in the right way. So, and like for example, if we were pursuing a engagement business model with Pi, and it's like, well, as much time with me as possible, that could be a misalignment uh, to what would be helpful to people's lives. And, you know, when you look back at LinkedIn, part of our early design of it was time saving, not time wasting. It's like, how do you try to make each minute as useful to the person? And if a person only uses LinkedIn for five minutes, that's great. If a person only uses Pi for five minutes, that's great. If it's an amplifying, if it's a quality experience, something that helps the person with, in the LinkedIn case, their work and their lives, in the Pi case, the, the broad context, which can include work, but includes like, what are we doing on Friday night? Or how am I having this you know, challenging conversation with my friend Sarah or my friend Bob as a, as a way of doing it? These things are, are that kind of thing. And you ask the questions to get those alignments right. And you design your business model to have the alignment right. And so I think that's the things we've learned from the social media side. And, you know, like when you look at all the kind of rampant challenging questions, LinkedIn gets much fewer of those than the others, partially because of the intentional, you know, purpose beforehand and being clear about what you're about. And similarly with uh, Inflection and Pi, we've been clear about what we're about and which ways we add value to people's lives and which ways we try to steer away from because we don't think that adds value. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that's super important and ties into the business model, as Reed said, it's, it's really important to us that we figure out a monetization mechanic that doesn't incentivize us to keep you engaged or maybe distracted on the platform for as long as possible. And likewise, we sort of don't want to drive the kind of addictive dopamine hits of outrage or anger or despair or, you know, viral misinformation, these kinds of things, you know, really have incentivized people to spend longer on the platform. And, and sometimes that's because they're getting paid for it. And we're very, very conscious that that is a moment that needs to change with AI and that new business models need to emerge to do that. And I think one important element of that is the focus that we've put on the legal structure of our company, right? So Reed and I were very clear when we co-founded the company and in a lot of our discussions over many years actually have been around how do you fundamentally incentivize an organization to do the right thing? Like what does that actually mean in practice? And a big part of it is saying, well, the goal of this company is to try to balance the financial needs of the stockholders with not just the needs of our users, but also the kind of people and, you know, the society that is impacted beyond just our immediate users, the wider stakeholders. And I think that the interests of, you know, society more generally need to be integrated in part of the decision-making and incentivization mechanic of a company. And a public benefit corporation provides a fiduciary obligation on the directors of the company to, to actively balance these considerations when making all of its decisions. And that's really quite different to a regular company. It doesn't solve all the problems, 
and it really is a kind of experimental structure so it might throw up challenges of its own as we get more used to how this works in practice but for us i think it sets out a north star and uh, an intention a kind of direction for us that you know hopefully if we're successful in the long term will actually make a, a real difference and how it works is when you're not a public benefit corporation the default legal structure is you must make decisions on the basis of the interests of shareholders. And, you know, there's some room for flexibility in that because it's kind of the question of, well, short-term shareholders, long-term shareholders, et cetera, but it's basically shareholders. What being a public benefit corporation allows you to do is to state a clear mission as we have, which is a kind of a beneficial, healthy AI, and to then make decisions based on that, the impact of your technology for your customers or for communities. I'm thinking about the possible other pies out there that you would build and if some of them were purpose-built for certain businesses and uh, organizations and thinking about how would you control for it doing, like what is in the best interest of those companies or those businesses? I think principally our focus at the moment is is on the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our goal is really to try to create pie to be able to help you to uncover your intention right so at the moment your your attention is sort of a commodity that you basically trade on other platforms in return for access to information access to connection access to news and you know the more time you spend on those platforms you know the more you know they can be operated as free we'd really like to have pie be an ai that is truly on your side, is aligned with your interests commercially, and is there to help you kind of filter and sort through credible information and do so with your interests in mind first and foremost. That's about the legal structure. It's about the business model. It's also about the design mechanics that we're trying to do the opposite of drive ultimate engagement. And those are the values that we'll take with us when we meet and work with other partners. Um, that's just what we stand behind and it won't be appropriate for everybody like some partners may want a different set of priorities and that'll make a lot of sense for them and there will be many many different providers and suppliers of ai technologies and so on and so we're just trying to focus on the best that we can do given the sort of mission that we've set out for ourselves i have this fantasy of airlines having this like amazing customer service <laughs> like this, exactly. i'll be patient <laughs> well, i i think in the future you know your your pie or your personal intelligence is is going to talk to the airline yeah. ai and you know it will know ahead of time that there is a delay it'll know that there is a better route that you can take it'll know that it needs to negotiate for a discount so you get some credits for your next flight uh, and it will help you, you know, book the hotel that uh, you need given the delay that you're about to encounter. And that interaction will take place between your Pi and the airline AI in plain natural language. You know, you'll, you'll be able to review and audit the interaction that took place on your behalf. And that's kind of how I see Pies or AIs in general is that, you know, they're going to be your digital representatives. You know, they'll advocate on your behalf. They'll negotiate on your behalf. They'll organize things for you. It'll almost be like having something between a chief of staff and a sort of aide or a coach or a mentor all in one. And that's pretty cool because from a time-saving perspective, I think it it will help everybody 
claim back more of their own attention to be able to direct you know their time and their precious thoughts and their precious moments in life towards being in the real world making new connections um and less of our time doing you know administration and logistics and you know fighting for refunds and all yeah. the other annoying things that we have to do uh today well the amplification is not just of the efficiency but also of the joy and meaningfulness of the path you're on and by the way once you begin to realize that future let's take the airline case what will happen is your personal ai will reach out to and say hey by the way i'm i'm the personal ai for Mustafa, who, who's on this plane. Uh, and by having that channel early, um, you can begin to enable new functions that are possible. Like, for example, the airline agent or other weather information might come back to Mustafa's personal AI and say, oh, by the way, there's a 20% chance this flight's going to get delayed currently. And the things we're saying, does, does, does that matter to know? And it's like, oh, if there's a 20% chance, let's rebook to something else now. And let's just handle it, um, or no, no, we can wait and let's 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 stay in contact. We're doing all that can handle, like, in the flow of things to make everything just much better, not just the uh the flight the the uh, you know like oh I'm heading to the airport and it's been rebooked now and now I um, I got an extra couple hours to you know do something or I'm gonna have to be at the airport for six hours and what am I gonna do? Those will still happen, but even that will be pre-navigated because we'll have these personal AIs. Yeah, I can imagine a number of scenarios where a tool like this would be so helpful. Um, and so we're talking, you're, it's gonna amplify abilities, not replace them, best case scenario, makes us all more productive, creative, knowledgeable, supported, listened to, advocated for in Pi's case. Um, but you know, to be real, when we look at the people who are building AI and are thus best positioned to benefit from successful businesses, there's a lot of familiar faces. Put more bluntly, many people who did well from the last tech waves are the same ones who are really leaning into AI right now and might do very well from this wave. Would you say that observation's accurate? It's a great question. The most important thing is to make sure that the benefits are spreading around to many people, not just the people who have an opportunity, like I feel privileged you know, here at Greylock to invest in and, and to also be not just part of Web 1 and Web 2, but also if you kind of say AI, Web 3 or whatever as a way of doing it, I, I, I feel lucky and, and fortunate to so do. But, you know, you have folks like, you know, Mustafa, who, you know, this is part of, you know, his kind of come up from a working class background and is, you know, now being an entrepreneur, leading the edge in AI. And we hope to have, you know, kind of underrepresented voices as part of this. And it's part of the reason, you know, we, you know, uh, work with women and, you know, entrepreneurs from communities of color and other folks in order to make this happen. Like, it's super important to be inclusive in all of this. And in terms of the benefits of the technology to make sure that's very broad, the important thing is to make sure that it's, that the, the benefit is spreading around. What's important is to bring everybody into it. When I look back over the last 20 years of you know the explosion of consumer hardware, which comes off the back of 50 years of Moore's Law reducing the cost of chips, it's kind of a remarkable story, right? I mean, today, no matter whether you are a billionaire or you earn 20,000 bucks a year, pretty much everybody within that bracket gets access to the same quality hardware, both on mobile and in your laptop and on desktop. Now, that's a remarkably 
like meritocratic story. And my bet is that over the next decade, we're going to see the same trajectory with respect to access to intelligence and access to kindness, compassion, and emotional support. That is going to be one of the most transformational moments in history, because now no longer do you need to have resources to get access to the best tutor in the world. No longer do you need to have, you know, the comfort and fortune of having a really supportive, kind family or partner, um, you know, when you were growing up to encourage you and, you know, so on. That is actually now going to be available to everybody. And I think it's going to rapidly become a very, very cheap and accessible resource. It's kind of incredible to think like what that actually does to our civilization over the next 10 to 20 years, how that turbocharges productivity, how that brings so many new voices of creativity, entrepreneurialism, and so on into you know the productive economy. And I think that much as there are good reasons for us to be concerned and cautious and you know super attentive to the redistribution questions and to um you know amplification as reed says there's also loads of reasons to be very optimistic and excited about what's coming in this wave okay i'm ready for a non-judgmental listener who's going to learn about me and help me get through life with my conversations with people um how can i access pi how can i get started Oh, great question. So um, Pi is available at heypi.com. It is also available on the iOS store as an app. And you can also text it. It's available on Instagram, um, on Messenger, and via WhatsApp. And can I expect it to kind of mirror my personality? One of our foundational commitments is that um, in everything that we do, we want a uh, we want Pi to be honest and, and truthful. Uh, it's still an early version, and so it doesn't always live up to that. It often misremembers things and gets things factually wrong. Um, an AI is a new class of thing. It's an it. Uh, it's it's a piece of software that we design. Will my Pi act like me to have my sense of humor or? Initially, it isn't going to adapt to your um, style too much. It will pick up on a few expressions that you like to use and some of your sort of favorite words. But in terms of your overall tone, we're initially trying to design it to be fairly consistent in its own style. And that's part of uh, our approach of trying to create a boundaried AI. You know, it should be clear that pi is distinct and separate from you and has its own entity and its own sort of style and sometimes it reflects some of the things that you're interested in but it doesn't always agree with you and you know it has its own kind of flavor every now and then great well this is very exciting uh, i'm really excited to experiment with pi and i'm sure many other people are as well we'll see what happens in the next few months well reed hoffman mustafa suleiman Greylock Investors and co-founders of Inflection. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun.